welcome to another episode of the Tea Corner. I'm your host, Terrence Spoken, and I wanted to say Happy New Year to everybody out there, and I hope, you know, so far the new year is going good for you. But yes, today we, we have a special guest. Um, she she has a charity that she's that we're gonna talk about, uh, and we're gonna talk about something real interesting because it's gonna deal with something that's coming up next month, and you know we 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 gonna talk about a broad understanding about that very soon. But yes, indeed, I wanna introduce y'all, Miss Patricia Smith Griffin, to the show, y'all. Here we go. One minute. Hello, welcome to the show. Hi, Terrence. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing. Is good. my audio sounding okay? Oh yes, ma'am. You coming through real good. You coming through good. real good. Good. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. You, you got me up here. You been checking my side. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, yes. Um. So tell me about this charity that you started and stuff because I, I read about I read about your profile a little bit and I was like wow that's very interesting so yeah go ahead well, and tell the audience um, about the charity well let me give you just a little background um, I am from um, Dayton Ohio um, my family has been in Dayton Ohio since 1802 and we have recently launched a podcast uh, season one of the legacy of Charity's children, it begins to tell um, our family story. Now, the name Charity is the name of our fourth great-grandmother, Charity Davis Caesar Brody. And it is um, the story of her life, um, her father bringing her to um, the quote-unquote free Northwest Territory in 1802, and uh, we are now 12 generations in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. Yes. And as far as the charity, so let me, let me, so because sometimes there is confusion because of her name, because her name is Charity, but oh, yeah. we have started the Charities Children Project. Oh, um, okay. Our family has collected archives throughout uh, several generations. And so we want to preserve these archives. We want to share them for um, African American, African American uh, history and perspectives. And we want to do that um, through the old castle on the hill. Um, that is a uh, formerly there in Dayton, Ohio. We want to resurrect the castle as a multicultural center to be the outlet for um, the family archives that many of which um, date back several gener- generations. We even have uh, a generation um, manumission papers. So this is um, the this is a resource um, of African American history and heritage, and uh, we'd like to share it. Um, we'd like to do so in a way that uh, safeguards um, our family legacy. You know, so often um, other people tell our African-American story and it is told through that revisionist mindset. Um, the legacy of Charity's children is uh, 
not going to be that type of uh, storytelling, but rather uh, it is told through the lens of uh, our family history that we have confirmed with historical records, um, family oral history, family written history, and uh, letters, Terrence journals, uh, pictures that uh, have been saved uh, for generations. Oh yeah, see I'm a writer so I love hearing stuff like that cause I, I, I like writing a journal and stuff and just to imagine like a hundred years from now somebody would know my life story because I wrote it down you know what I'm saying and I I could actually respect something like that because that's history. I often ask, um, how is it that we have these things? And it is because exactly what you said. It is because somebody like you knew that their journey was important enough in this generation that it would inspire the next. And so, um, yes, I have a... One of the resources for this first season of the Legacy of Charity's Children comes from something that my great-grandmother wrote. Uh, This year, we will be celebrating her 150th anniversary of her birth. And um, so the family story, uh, while it has been been told, uh, passed down by word of mouth, it's also been written throughout the generations. And um, things that I thought that I knew about the family, once discovering her handwritten account of Charity Brody's life, uh, was illuminated and sent in a million different research directions. All right, y'all, we're going to take a little short break right now, but we'll be right back. And we're going to listen to some good music brought to you by Mr. Terrence the Spoken. Y'all know I love my music. You know I love creating it. So enjoy a piece that I created right here, right now. On the T-Corner, brought to you by T-Line Beats Production. Enjoy.
is also a part of my blood and stuff so you know with the poetry comes the music so yes that was blaze heart that you heard first and jam fam coming in second but yeah we're gonna shoot you right back over to the to the interview with miss patricia griffin man because it's gonna be tight it's gonna be right and yes keep that podcast going on t corner all right all right later y'all you know, Terrence, we are often asked, um, how is it that we have these things? And it is because exactly what you said. It is because somebody like you knew that their journey was important enough in this generation that it would inspire the next. And so, um, yes, I have a one of the resources for this first season of the Legacy of Charity's Children comes from something that my grand great-grandmother wrote. Uh, this year, we will be celebrating her 150th anniversary of her birth. And um, so the family story, uh, while it has been, been told, uh, passed down by word of mouth, it's also been written throughout the generations and um, things that I thought that I knew about the family once discovering her handwritten account of Charity Broadie's life uh, was illuminated and sent in a million different research directions. It's it's a lot of us that need to that need to have that connection to our past so that you know you know we we know so much how to handle the future and stuff but sometimes the wisdom was always held in the past if we just review it and you know it would be like you know what this happened way back when but exactly. that can actually happen that can actually work for today too exactly Exactly. Um, that is something that, that I say as well, that uh, torches are not extinguished. They are passed. And so what we each generation is required to do is to build upon what the prior generation has done. So we take their struggle, we take their successes and their failures, and we augment um, it for today's world and today's society. And then, Terrence, we just keep up the fight. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, and and you know that 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 leads that that kind of leads me into like the next one to talk to you about, which was something that like when when I was look when I reached out to to your uh, peoples, and they and they gave me a list of things. And I, I saw one that was like this. Oh yeah, we gonna have to talk about this. 
Um, and that was actually why Black History is more than just a month. Uh-huh. I'm like, yo, I've been saying this for years. I'm like, yo, Black History is more than just a month. You can't cram everything that Black Americans have done in just a month. Same thing with Hispanics. You can't cram everything that Hispanics done did for America in just a month. It's like, but for 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 African Americans, like, it's like when February comes around, we just give them the highlights. And mm-hmm. we, we be wanting to get more deep into it, but by the time we realize it, black history is over and and the US don't went to the next phase and stuff like that. So Terrence, what I say to that is it's it's a couple of things. Um yes, black history month uh grew out of black history week that I'm sure grew out of Black History Day. Um, however, it is incumbent upon each of us as parents, as contributors to society to tell our family story. And in telling our family story, we're t- that our family stories, Black history is American history. So no, it should not be just a month. But something that my daughter recently wrote that I that I read and 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 was and it, you know, as as parents, um, we look for these moments of pride to know that we did something right, you know. Um, but one of the things that she said was that uh, Black history was taught in her home every day. Oh yeah. That, you know, I don't rely and my mother did not rely and neither did the generations before us quite evidently because I still, you know, have that history. Uh, We don't rely on um, America to teach us their revisionist version of our history. Uh, Why we should... The very reason we should not is the fact that they believe that they can relegate it to a couple of people during a the shortest month of the year when it does not even begin to chronicle or detail our contributions. So um, you, as parents, we teach them what we know. We teach our children what we know. And then what we don't know the information is there. And so sometimes we have to dig a little. Sometimes we have to press a little. Um, I know that at, at the beginning of the school year, when I would go and have the parent-teacher conferences, you know, they have them about two or three times during the year. And during the very first part of the year, um, I went for one of my children and the teacher was quite impressed she said she has read every book in this in this classroom and I looked at that teacher very unimpressed and I said so what's your plan because this is October and if you haven't held her attention past October what's your plan Mm -hmm. 
So we have to become active participants in our children's education. Um, the information that we don't know about our history, uh, uh, seek it out when and where you can. Uh, the public libraries are still wonderful places for families. Uh, if you want to do your family history research, you can begin there in a public library. Uh, they have quite often there are children's rooms where I guess depending on, <laughs> as I stop and think about the state of uh, our American affairs, depending upon the uh, places that you live, uh, that would have been the uh, best resource uh, and most economical resource, but in many cases now our, our libraries have been assaulted. Uh, however, give it a go and find books and articles that are by uh, and that are by black people about black people um, th th which is a very important uh, thing I as I as I look at the books on my shelf right now uh, and the concerted effort that I made to buy books that told the story of our people by our people um, I can remember sitting on our coffee table as a little girl uh, J.A. Rogers, the 1,000 amazing facts about Black people. And um, so those kinds of things where we are thinking many, quite often, we're thinking that this is making no inroads. This book has been sitting here and this child has never looked at it. Uh, not so. Not so. Sometimes we don't have to beat them over the head. Sometimes we don't have to, you know, just um, continually grind it in them, but seize opportunities. When you when you pull up to that stoplight, make sure that they know that it was a black man that in them. Um, when uh, they go to Dunbar uh, High School, that is just, uh, that's not just a, a name, but that is a, a poet laureate who um, was the first generation out of slavery. And uh, it is because of Paul Dunbar that we have the literal voice of the slaves. Had he not, and he's been criticized for it so often, but had he not written in that dialect the tongue of his mother, the tongue of his father, what would be, where would be any record of the language of the slaves, the wobblings of their infancy, of our of our Black American dialects and languages are within Paul Dunbar's uh, poetry. Um, so there are there are little things like that that we can do to plant nuggets of curiosity within our children, and and then wait for those nuggets to blossom. All right, all right, all right, y'all. We gonna just take a little time out. We gonna listen to some good music. Hey, but we'll be right back. And the Portrait Corner be coming up real shortly. So stay tuned for that right here on the T Corner. Brought to you by T Line Beats Production. Enjoy.
Hey y'all, let me tell you about a podcast that's taking life by storm. Yo, the podcast name is called Stick to the Script with Angel and Nikwa. They are going to have you rolling from all the different topics that they be covering, yo. So hey, and you may even see me on there a couple of times or two. But yeah, we act a fool, we have a good time, and the only requirement that we ask of you is that you be yourself and chill with us. So yeah, stick to the script on all providers that do podcasting. So yeah, tune in and support y'all. Salute. I'm right here for you. I can let you go. Keep me close to you Because I need you so
Listen to Talk With Nail And y'all Show her some support alright Salute Alright ladies and gentlemen Alright we gonna get you right back to The last part Of the interview right here On the T Corner Brought to you by T-Line Beats Production Enjoy Ma'am, you done said a mouthful on, <laughs> on, on that stage. My passion, sure. as you can see, oh, my passion. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, yes, indeed. And you know what the funniest thing about this whole thing is? I did not know that a black man made the stoplights until I was in college. Right. That, that, that should tell you something about what they teaching us from elementary to high school. I mean, it's like they leaving a whole lot of stuff out. So when you go to college and college is pretty much like, you know what? We going to tell you a little bit more of the truth. And you like, yo, how come y'all could not teach us this back when we was in elementary and junior high and high school? And so from that, you know that we do not uh, rely on they. Yeah. yeah that this is, you know, this is something that we have to do. Um, 
and and the 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 and, and telling our family story and perpetuating the history uh, for for generations. One of the things that I will say that we probably have done well is incorporating um, the children in um, knowing and understanding this family story. Uh, as as I do this work to write the family story, to create the foundation, to produce the, the podcast. As I do this work, my sister Carolyn is on the front lines. And and on Saturday, she had um, all of um, Charity's littlest children, all of you know the grands and the great nieces and nephews at her home where they celebrated Kwanzaa, where they told the family story again, where so it is those things that keep your family histories and traditions alive. In a, and that's in a world that's starting to become untraditional. Actually, it's already untraditional. And it's just good to see like our traditions still carrying on in some in some light because it should be more but it's so many of us that's still blind if you feel Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we see the truth in front of us but we still ignorant to understanding the answer so that's why that's why when I became of age and stuff and you know I started reading and stuff I started reading like real deep books you know from um shoot from all different kinds of African American writers and stuff like that and realizing that you know what they was teaching us in from elementary to high school even in college that was pretty much like how, how I say uh the top 100s they didn't want to tell you about the foundation or the understanding or how to overcome and stuff I didn't learn that until I started reading from us you know something something that's been missing from the school systems the past uh, probably couple of decades are civics classes um when, and I will not say when, but when I graduated from high school, one of the requirements was that you had to take a civics and social problems class. Um, what that taught us was, were the basic constructs of the American government. It, uh, uh, from the preamble to the Constitution to how a bill became a law, uh, social problems taught you how to become uh, civically and socially engaged and to take that engagement to the um, next level, uh, to the legislative level. I think it's by design that those classes, those requirements for high school have been removed from our systems across the country. Those and and what that did was, of course, it was the um, roadmap for civic engagement, and it also, I believe, that it also helped the electorate understand 
when and how and the likelihood of an election being stolen. I mean, it's just not, when I think about the concept of that having even flown 20, 30 years ago, the way the understanding 40 years ago, I guess now, the way people understood, routinely understood how our government worked, I don't think that that that, that type of uh, con would have gone over at all. And it's it's it amazes me that so many people are and continue to be duped by it. And you know what? When, when I saw that, when I like like me and my family, I like yo, just like your family, you know, we had one person that was telling the family history and you know making sure that we won't forget. And that person is now passed on you know and with the lord but 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 we have a backup plan and you know as long as you mm-hmm. have a backup plan that the, the legacy will continue on yes but um to deal with like the duking of the plan i'm gonna be honest with you i saw that sucker coming a mile away i was like this mm-hmm. nah, I, I know y'all not about to do what i think you're about to do <laughs> <laughs> and I, I even told my dad when everything was starting up, I said, you know what, this is about to be some real funny stuff, not in a good way. Right. Because those that actually understand the laws of government and they actually understand how the government works, you can sit back and just see everything going on like you a general and stuff. And like, I know y'all not about to do what I think y'all about to do. <laughs> You know we see you, right? Right, right. You know that there are cameras everywhere. My goodness yeah. gracious, but yo, hey, somehow it, it happened. I was like, this. You know what? You know what? I think this written in the Bible, in the in the Quran, in in Buddha. I think this this moment right here is written down on all on all regions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. y'all was very predictable for this one. <laughs> huh. Well, brought it to, it literally brought uh, the country to the uh, precipice, and uh, we will see if the American experiment sustains. Yeah, and I'm like, and the funny thing is, like, there's so many, like, African Americans saw it, um, Asians saw it, um. Latino saw it, but it's like, yo, they not doing what we think they doing, right? <laughs> oh hell no! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's bad when you see seeing the stuff happen a mile away. And you're like, yo, am I gonna step in and stop it? Like, yo, <laughs> it, it, that, that's how I feel. I was like, I will always remember the Capitol Police officer that helped a woman down the Capitol steps by the arm. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> yeah, being a black woman in America all my life, I can't imagine having uh, had that type of encounter with law enforcement. Yeah. 
on on during that type of uh, event. But yeah, so but that's a whole nother show, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a whole <laughs> like, like like I said, that would divert the whole structure of the show. You know, black folks, we was like, Ain't this some, I know. If that, if that was us, it'd be like Saint Valentine's massacre or something. Mm-hmm. I can't. I I shudder. Think. Yeah. To, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's another topic for another day because that, that's a three-hour show, right? <laughs> In and of itself, yes, sir. But but yeah, and another thing I wanted to talk to you about was um like you 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 had a question on it that actually had me actually thinking about this the monetization of Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I started thinking about McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I started thinking about, you know, Walmart. Uh, who else was it? Oh, yeah. Can't forget about State Farm because they always had to buy you classic. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so that, that was, those are the top three I could actually remember. But when it comes around Black History Month, it's like, Okay, we a proud sponsor of you know black people. I'm like, that's what I feel like they saying. And 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 what we as a community have to begin to do is to hold these companies accountable for that, because in many cases, the only people that are benefiting from their uh, black history buys mm-hmm. are the media companies. Because where, when and how do these initiatives trickle down into the black community? Now, there are companies who are doing wonderful things that extend uh, beyond the month to uh, help black entrepreneurs. And I'm not going to name drop because, you know, ain't nobody putting nothing in my pocket. But there are companies that are doing um, good things. But, um, you know, I think probably never before in history have we had to be so interactive with our dollars um it it um and and little things like you know i appreciate walmart uh acknowledging uh black history uh month and but there are other things that i think that walmart could do to further um black causes that begin with very simply treating your employees better. Um, And and so, but, but, and and not to call Walmart out on this because many companies uh, do this. Uh, It sees the opportunity and I, I truly appreciate it because, and it's a double-edged sword, Terrence, because the reason I appreciate them doing it is because many of these ads begin to humanize black families. Um, for, for many of us, we are, well, not many of us, but um, black men and women are demonized uh, in many cases in, um, within the media in ways that are overt and uh, ways that are subtle. Um, so when I see positive images of black families gathering, of black families uh, celebrating their Afrocentricity. I celebrate that too because um, 
I know that when they look at my 10-year-old girl and my 10-year-old boy, that they see a woman and they see a man in many cases. And so it is through this media lens, these uh, positive images that these companies are sponsoring, that uh, we can begin to uh, perhaps make inroads in what I think is quite often a pervasive elevation of white supremacy that is subliminally um, affecting our media. Um, so, so yes, it is a, it's a double, it's a double-edged sword. I, the, the monetization of it, yeah, it's, it's happening. And um, let's be sure the companies that we uh, patronize include our local black businesses, our, um, and, and as well as hold these national companies uh, to account that yes, we appreciate your ad dollars, but we'd like to see some um, foundations established within our black communities that can really begin to um, effect some change. One of the things that I have found within our family archives is that we have we've got letters and correspondence from national black thinkers who were working with local black leaders to exact change um, around the country, and I think so often that people see these national efforts and don't understand that in the past. And once again, I guess that goes back to what you were saying about our um, the relevance of history. Um, but because it is within that that we can build on what we are doing uh, today and um, seeing what those initiatives were in the past and the things that worked, the things that didn't augment them for uh, today's uh, World Wide Web, for today's social media, uh, for its positive. So, yeah, it is, it's a double-edged sword, but... There are things that we can do as consumers is being active consumers, hold those uh, large uh, stakeholders, those large companies account, um, patronize uh, local businesses. Uh, remember that these are local small businesses and quite often we want to hold them to the standard of a national business. And this is just a sister with a boutique. Um, understanding that and um, elevate our businesses when and where we can. And that is Black history. And that is celebrating Black history, um, not just the uh, monetization of it during the month of February, but uh, there beyond. Oh, yeah. And you, you literally gave the perfect answer because, you know, you, you are right. We, we are being, like, seen as in a different light. And... And yes, we need to see more positive. I ain't gonna lie to you. When I saw Ariel was black mm-hmm. in the live action, I ain't yeah. gonna lie to you. I, I got happy. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now I'm asking for a Princess and the Frog live action. Because yeah. I know for a fact she gotta be black. Because, you know, <laughs> come on, let's be real. No, no, no white person ain't gonna take the word Tiana. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a black name right there. <laughs> but but um, hey, I agree with you. I tuned up. I, I, you know, I got a little, you know, the teary eye. Um, 
Yeah, Terrence, you are so used to being vilified and um yeah. But yeah, we nice to be this time we're not playing a cricket time. We're not like seeing our women being, you know, downgraded just to mm-hmm. win Oscars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we, we yeah. not seeing none of this. We ain't seeing like the shoe up bang bang. We actually seeing something that majority of us grew up with. Like I grew I, I was I was born in the mid eighties and lived all the nineties. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with the original Little Mermaid, you know, was there for the whole nostalgia and stuff. But now I'm older and I'm seeing the change in the perception that 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 was once this man that I grew up in and starting to favor somebody like me. And I'm like, yo, that took a lot of bold guts for y'all to turn Little Mermaid to us. Yo, I mean that that's what that's what shocked me because I didn't see that. And the blowback from it. Have you heard oh, it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I saw the ugly of America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah, I like to all y'all talking all that noise, but you know she actually seen that for real. Like the talent that? that was brought yeah. to the role, the the raw talent that was brought to that role. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, just kidding me. That's who's talking all this noise. <laughs> go right here, step on the mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Like anybody that downgrades another nationality because of the color of their skin, that's just a bully. Mm-hmm. And you know, my 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 dad he said like this, son. You know how you be a bully? You be a bully in his own game. You be like this, so you hating me because of this. Is the reason why you hating me because of this is because you want to be like this? And you just leave him there thinking. Cause now you done messed up their whole brain and their whole logic of why they hating on you. I'm like, yo, and this man didn't even go to college. He he went to he went to high school and took care of his family. But he gave me the deepest knowledge that I ever heard from anybody, including in college. And, and I think that um that is also part of the wisdom of family history is that you get um, some PhD knowledge about yourself and yes saw his son going down the same road that he did it, it was like yo no I don't want you to do that son no this is how you going to do it Whenever they try to attack you, you attack them uh, with knowledge. Like, oh, so you hated me because you want to be like me. Okay, cool. Later. And you just leave them there thinking. And, you know, that that worked. And, you know, there was some times when, you know, when my dad sit down, 
if they if they if they throw the first swing, son, you have all rights and privileges from me to whoop their butt. I said, okay, I, okay, I, I need to hear that, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, so you were one of those kids. I had I had a kid like that as well, and I would um, often shudder because all of his exchanges with uh, school administration began with my mama said and um yeah so one day they called my husband rather than calling me to come to school and um, handle things and uh so i wouldn't i wouldn't let my husband go i said thank you sweetheart for calling me i said but i'm on my way because very clearly they did not want to hear what mama said but uh yeah it becomes um it becomes a uh I don't want to say constant battle because we are in a cooperative arrangement with our educators. We should be, but we do have to um, advocate for our children. We just do. And it's, and I think it also, Terrence goes back to what we were talking about earlier representation because of the lack of positive representation. um, Sometimes, um, Teachers simply don't understand our children, and um, confidence is misinterpreted as um, being uh, aggressive and loud. Um, I was at a PTA meeting one time, and the teacher was describing um, some a group of young ladies who were coming down the stairs at lunchtime, and I let her finish the description and. Um, I had to laugh out loud because I told her, I said, I know who you're talking about. I said, you perfectly described my child, but let me explain this to you. She is not loud. She is confident. And um, that is the continued advocacy that we have to have for our children. Give them other words to describe her because now if she were a shrinking violet, I'm sure you wouldn't hear her coming. But she is confident and happy, so that's what you hear. Um, so we, it is, it is that type of interactive, and and I call them opportunities. I call them opportunities because sometimes they have existed in these worlds that don't um, include much interaction with anyone other than looks like people that look like them and that goes both ways oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah, goes, cause, cause, that cause, goes both ways because I, I i told somebody i said i said yeah i told a close friend of mine i said man you know i'm more nervous in the suburbs than i am in the hood <laughs> i agree with you yes because in like in the neighborhood i'm around my people i'm like yo okay we know yo uh-huh. okay okay they they get buck wild, okay, just leave them be, okay, we gonna stand over here. Right. <laughs> we, right. we understand our people. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. when you go in the suburbs, everybody's quiet and stuff, I'm like, no, I don't feel right here. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't hear it no is, good music. <laughs> it is environments that we don't understand. And it, I, think, I think that it goes both ways, and I, I am sure that, um, well, 
you know, we've been black our, our lives. So yes, we do know that it was by that it is by design that um, you know that keeping us uh, separate is uh, is by design. I um, some years ago I was looking for a new producer for one of my radio shows, and so I was uh, speaking to a young lady about coming and producing the show. And um, she had to leave because um, she had forgotten to turn off the pot on the stove. And I said, what you doing? And she said, pinto bean. And I said, what? She said, yeah, pinto beans. And, and I think she uh, had a ham hock in it, Terrence. And I said, huh? Now, this is a white woman. So I am immediately transfixed. Like, what do you know about pinto beans? I said, so what you having with it? She said, a pan of cornbread. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. That's south. That's that's south. (laughs) And so um, I was like, okay. Well, needless to say, she got the job. Um, Because, uh, and it wasn't, it was, um, it was the right choice. Because I say, I say to folks all the time, I don't need to. I I'm not gonna be your only black friend, okay? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, you don't know no more black people. <laughs> then you, I, let me tell you, you don't want to know me. Yeah, don't start with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't start with me. You could do better. <laughs> I feel you on that one. No, that, that's why I'm laughing because I'm like this. Yeah, all, all my white friends got other black friends too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'm the wrong first one, bro. I'm the wrong first one. I'll tell you some history that you haven't even read about. Like, right nah, bro, you ain't gonna read this right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, here you go. Mm-hmm. You wanna know the true meaning of slavery? There you go. I know it's dark. I know it's evil. Yeah. You know what? It is dark, uh, Terrence. It is evil. And one of the things that I try to do with the Legacy of Charity's Children is tell our story without sensationalizing Black trauma. I think that that is a nuance that uh, requires Black people at the table. Um. I think that when we read and see work, we can tell it is it's it's evident uh, what the amount of black input that was permitted um, in the writers' room. So, one of the things that I attempt to be cognizant of is telling the story in a way that does not sensationalize black trauma. However, there is no, there are no shortcuts to the truth. Um, We have a show coming up. uh, I think it is our fifth episode that is the story of the uh, attacks on Dayton's Africatown. Um, Africatown was a thriving canal community in Dayton, Ohio in the 1830s. This is in the midst of slavery. 
And uh, so you got to keep listening. I'm not going to give too much away. You got to keep listening. But uh, in our episode five, we tell the story of the events that led up to and including the attack on Africatown. And in telling the story, uh, it was necessary to it was necessary to chronicle what had been written about the attacks. Um, but we just were very careful um, in how we presented it so that we did not continue to sensationalize uh, Black trauma. Um, to this day, I have not seen the uh, George Floyd video. Um, I am the uh, mother, sister, uh, aunt, uh, child of a black man and um i i will not uh, watch um this man um i will not watch his purposeful demise in that way his murder um but understanding that the story has to be told um it is incumbent upon us as black writers as black creators to use everything within us to tell these stories in a way that does not um, continue to sensationalize our black uh, black violence and our black trauma our black post-traumatic stress disorder oh yeah because yeah we we I, I, like when, when I actually looked at that I was like this I don't want to even look at that no more and and you you right we, we we in order to tell the story uh, like I grew up with the saying half a truth is a whole lie mm-hmm. absolutely so so I'm on I'm gonna be like this I'm gonna do what Mel Gibson did with Pastor of the Christ and I'm really gonna show you some real stuff like yo. By the time you get done watching my movie, yeah, 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 tears gonna be in your eyes because yeah, that was your great great granddad. Like yo, okay, now, now you understand why you need to not say them words or something. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. But, the one of the things that I currently have am exploring and embracing is the term. Um, descendant of American slaves to describe who I am. The American slave trade was the most brutal um, and sexually violent um, of, of any of the slave trades across the Americas. I think that we have, as a people, existed for so many generations in this trauma. And our decision-making is based on trauma. As we, um, our, our humor, our humor is based in our trauma. Uh, any other situation any other peoples it would be acknowledged that we are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder that as we turn guns on each other within our community 
It is a manifestation of PTSD. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And the mental health crisis that black men are experiencing, that black people are currently experiencing, is a manifestation of us having lived generationally in trauma and a trauma that is not only is it not acknowledged but a trauma that is denied a trauma that we are told we have no right to it is impossible any psychologist will tell you that your healing is stagnated by that lack of understanding and acceptance of what uh, agreement that you've been wounded. Mm-hmm. And then here we are. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, well, we at the point in the show right now where we um, talk about, like, how, how would they be able to reach out to you and talk to you and, you know, get more information about, you know, charities, children, and stuff like that. This is what I call the credentials. Okay. So, go ahead. Okay. Please go to our website, charitieschildren.org. Um, also, look for us on where wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the Legacy of Charities Children, Episode 1, which is our mission statement, is currently out. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but our second episode, which begins to tell the family story, that episode, I believe, is out on the 12th of January. Um, so please go to charitieschildren.org, find out more about the Charities Children Project, find out more about our legacy of Charities Children, the short story podcast series, season one is currently underway. And um, as far as looking for information about how to reach out to me or our publicist, Chris Brody, Robinson Jordan, it is there on the website, charitieschildren.org. Okay, y'all, there you have it. So until next time, this is Terrence has spoken. Sign out, one love, one dream. Until next time, y'all stay blessed.